Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs or on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. So thank you, everyone, for listening in. I've been on a w- crazy whirlwind tour the last couple of days, so I'm a little tired. We're recording four episodes today, so that's kind of crazy. But I was have the ability, I've been in New York, I recorded some episodes there. I then was in Pennsylvania for a while, uh, recorded some episodes there, was in Washington, D.C., recorded some episodes there. Then I was in L.A. and met up with some, some individuals out there for a wedding. Sam Francesca, who's rolling up to Quito's, one of the individuals I hung out with out there from the podcast, so that was cool. Then I was in Denver, um, out there for uh, 24 hours, and now I'm back. Uh, in New York, uh, ultimately to hopefully end up back in Nashville at some point here in the next few days. So it's been kind of cool. Um, thank you everyone for listening in. I thank you for all the messages that have come in the last few days and the support for the podcast. I do appreciate it. I see that it is growing, um, particularly organically and people sharing it and word of mouth and other entrepreneurs that are being helped. So I think that that's the point of the podcast is for entrepreneurs out there to, especially in the food space, there's more of us than any other entrepreneur, probably any other segment in the entrepreneur space. If we voted, we could, we could literally vote for a president of the world. Like that's how many of us there are. And the, the thing is, is we're trying to have influence, we're trying to have impact, and we're trying to give a place for food entrepreneurs to know they're not alone, and the impact that we do have on society as a group, okay, our leadership, our compounding effect on the people that work from us, the core values we instill that not only are in our employees, but then reflect into their families. So I appreciate everyone listening in and sharing, giving positive reviews, five stars or whatever for whatever app or um, syndication you listen to. It's always good to have that on the syndication as well as the episode. So I appreciate that. With that being said, I have with us Jean Christian Baca of Walter's Hot Dogs. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well, Justin. Thank you so much for having us and giving us a platform to share our story and our history. Well, I'm going to tell everyone at Walters Hot Dogs on Instagram, and normally I don't drop it. I wait for you guys to drop it, but I feel like it's important that everyone sees it because I think you guys have such an incredible concept. Um, we've talked about hot dogs before on on the podcast. I do think that there is a reemergence of the the hot dog as a, a quick service fast food concept. Um, other chains have now started putting it as subs on their rest on their menus, but I've talked a lot about the next fast food booms and these new unique things. And I think what you're doing with hot dogs, creating your own sauces, just to tee everyone up is really cool and perfect to talk about as we move forward in the world, um, in terms of food entrepreneurship. So, uh, hot dogs are not just a New York thing anymore. Um, and not just a Chicago thing. I think we're seeing a growing acceptance of it across the globe. So that's cool. Um, tell us about yourself. Why did you become an entrepreneur? What's your family background? Like, give us an idea how you've ended up here at Walter's Hot Dogs. What's that journey? Absolutely. So, listen, our business, Walter's Hot Dogs, it's out of Mamaroneck, New York, in Westchester County, just about 35 minutes outside of New York City. And it all started with my great grandfather, Walter Warrington. Uh, he came to the U.S. 
uh, from Italy uh, into Ellis Island in the 1890s. And in the early 1900s, he he was an entrepreneur. He started a, a gas station business in his early 20s. He used those funds uh, and he came up with a recipe for a hot dog and uh, a cooking style that really was unlike any other, and, uh, along with the ingredients of the hot dog. And, you know, in, in his uh, late 20s, he opened Walter's Hot Dogs and he grew the business. And nine years later, he built the, you know, the iconic pagoda in 1928 that has become a historical landmark here in the United States. So, you know, the, the business has been in our family since 1919. So uh, I'm, I'm part of the third and fourth generation of family members, um, you know, who are a part of this business as Walter's Hot Dogs. So it really started there. And growing up, I always loved this family business. Uh, it was run by my grandfather, uh, Gene Warrington. Um, he knew this business better than everyone. It was his life's passion. He'd lived for it day in and day out. And really, I just thought it was the coolest business. And I always wanted to be a part of it. Even when I finished college, when I finished my MBA, I always wanted to be a part of it. But it was, you know, it's a small family owned business. So really, what what role could I have had? And, um, you know, I had all these ideas, especially coming out of you know my MBA. I thought I was really something in my mid 20s. I had all these great ideas, but, you know, my, my grandfather looked at me and he said, you know, it's great you have these ideas, but you don't have the experience to really do all of that here. Um, so I really took that as a challenge to, to do my own thing. And, uh, and I got into sales, I got into marketing, um, and I really wanted to gain the type of experience to really better, better myself, better my business skills, better my leadership skills. Um, and I started my own marketing and sales company. And um, I was able to really grow that from 2009 to 2014. Um, and I had some locations in Louisiana, in the DMV. And, um, and then really in, in 2013, my grandfather was 91 years old. And he said, listen, I've seen what you've been able to do with your business. And I want you now to really, you know, do what you've done there and do it here. Be a part of this help take it to the next level, um, you know, help kind of like this next generation of family members. Um, and that's exactly what I did. You know, it was kind of like when you're sitting on the bench and you're waiting for the coach to kind of call you in and uh, you're practicing, you're doing everything you need to do. And then finally the coach calls you in. That's what it felt like for me because I knew I always wanted to be part of this family business. I just didn't know what capacity or when I would be, you know, get that phone call to kind of, you know, come into play. So that's really how it all started for me. So now I'm going on my 10th year with the family business. Let's talk about the the growth. So you, the, the business started off as one stand back in 1891, maybe, or the first it was the hot dogs and then eventually the stand. So let's talk about the chronological order a little bit or the history of Walter's hot yeah. dogs, if you don't mind. No, absolutely. So um, it was founded in 1919. That's when my great-grandfather... Um, Walter started the business and it was just this little shack on the side of the road and he built that business up for nine years and then in 1928 he built the pagoda that is here in Mamaroneck that has been here ever since. Um, in the mid-50s, so really kind of fast forward almost you know 30 years of really running this business, uh, my grandfather Gene came in um, as the second generation 
and really bought the business. And he really became the face of the business. Uh, my great grandfather, Walter, really retired in the early 70s or so. Um, I'm sorry, in the late 60s or so. And it was really my grandfather, Gene, that that people, the customers, the community really kind of knew and identified synonymously with Walters. And um, he was happy. This was his life's passion. He lived for this business. He lived for it to be, you know, an essential part of the local community here within Westchester County. And he was happy with it. Um, our family tried to, to franchise it in the early 1990s or so. And we learned some valuable lessons that it just was not the right, it was not the right model for our business at the time. And from that, I think it kind of, you know, stung a little bit, you know, um, we had all these kind of hopes about it. Um, there's always been investors. There's always been other entrepreneurs um, that have always seen, seen and, and had an interest in our business. And I think this situation kind of stung a little bit. So our family really decided not to really grow the business. They were very happy with, you know, how it was and how it was running as a single location. Um, in 2007, um, my grandfather and I, I, I had the idea to start some food trucks. And, and I thought it would be such a cool thing because, you know, here in Westchester County and beyond, you know, this is a business that's been around now, you know, at that time for almost 100 years. And people love it. People that grew up with it, people that have moved on. And, um, and this was a way that we can really bring Walter's experience to people off site. Uh, but it just wasn't in the cards at the time. And, you know, fast forward the clock in 2015, we launched our first food truck um, in 2016. Due to the response, we had to launch a second one. And here we are in 2013 now, and we're about to launch our fourth food truck um, since 2015. So we've grown in that capacity as well with our food trucks now on the road where we, you know, we service a lot of the TV and movie sets throughout New York and a lot of the music festivals. Did you say five clubs. food trucks? I'm sorry, just to clarify. Did you say five? Four. We have four, four food trucks. Very yeah. cool. And yeah. explain the movie business thing, because I think that's an interesting, you go do the movie sets, which is quite a bit in New York with all the television shows and everything as well. So how did Absolutely. you get into that business? You know, it, it's something, Justin, that when we started the food trucks in 2015, it wasn't even on the radar. We were just thinking of how can we just, you know, service weddings and private parties and bar mitzvahs and country clubs and things like that. So when when this kind of area of business started coming in, it, it really starts with the production company. And, you know, they're told we need a food truck. Now, whether it's they need a food truck for the TV or the movie scene, and they need the food truck to be in the scene and be filmed. That's one area of business. But the majority of the time, they say, we want you to come and feed the cast and crew. So once you work with one production company, once you maybe work with one leading actor, actress, and they remember you, well, then that show or movie may wrap, and now they want to hire you for their next project. And that's really where it just begins to explode. And... Um, one of the biggest things is reliability. Uh, you know, TV sets, movie sets, um, things change. They are on such tight schedules. And if you become a reliable source uh, of food for them um, at any time of the day, it's those types of little things that they remember. Um, and that's where, it, where it's grown. So, you know, we've done everything for, 
you know, Jennifer Lawrence to Julia Roberts uh, to, you know, Robert De Niro's birthday party um, to, you know, TV shows like Ray Donovan or Blue Bloods or The Equalizer, you know, we've done quite a few. So it's an area of our business we didn't expect, but we've welcomed it and we've kind of taken it in as to how to be a great source for these production companies to think of us when they need us. So, I mean, you talked a little bit about Gold Belly, and I've seen a post on your site about Gold Belly. Do you, like, how did that, like, explain how the production side or the hot dog side has grown as well? I like the food trucks, and we can talk more about that. But let's talk about your business, and I see you have, like, Christmas ornaments and stuff. So your business is growing and branding, even with the sort of hard knocks in the 90s, for lack of a better term. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, Gold Belly, it's such a, it's such a cool business model and it started, you know, in, in the mid 2010s. And, and I remember when they came to us and they pitched us the idea of, Hey, we want to have a package deal. We want to have your hot dogs. We want to have your mustard and we want to have it, you know, you to be able to ship it all across the United States using our platform. And we thought it was such a cool thing, but at the time we weren't even packaging our hot dogs for retail, let alone, you know, shipping. Um, they weren't even in any grocery stores yet. So that was like a whole new business model of, and how are we going to do this? But we agreed with them that yes, this is a package deal. Our hot dog is our own unique recipe. Our mustard is our own unique blend of recipe, blended recipe. So let's put these two items together and let's get them into the hands to people who want them. Maybe they've, they've known Walters and they've moved away or maybe they just love hot dogs and now they want to try something new and different in New York and they're not here. So it was a a way that we can literally have this Walters experience now in the comfort of people's homes. So it was something we were totally on board with, but we also had to now create a business for it. So it took us some time to be able to get the production side of things down. And we were able to launch it in 2018. And then in in 2020, um, obviously, you know, food delivery, when, especially when people were quarantined, Gold Belly really became the juggernaut who they are now because they were able to get a lot of well-known chefs and restaurateurs who maybe the businesses were shut down because of COVID, but it gave them a new revenue stream or it gave them the ability to bring their product across the United States or bring their meal kits across the United States. So from that you know, the global pandemic kind of really became this this new area of, of business to, to the next level as far as food delivery to this capacity. Um, so that's where it really grew. Um, we had a really fortunate opportunity in 2022 to be featured on Good Morning America, where we were, us and other businesses in New York were able to work with them on shipping our products across the United States. So that helped us reach a much larger audience as well. And we've always had a great partnership relationship with Gold Belly. So once the hot dogs and the mustard worked, then we created these hot dog kits with our buns. Well, now we launched our pigs in a blanket. So this is just a new product that we were able to launch and really kind of take to the next level. So uh, from there, they say, you know what, you reach, you know, you have customers who have been with you, you know, three, four, five generations of customers. Uh, why don't you come up with another cool item that you can get into their hands as well? So they get the hot dogs and they get the experience and they get kind of that 
that memorable item along with it. And that's where the, you know, the Christmas ornaments came up or, you know, some branded shirts and uh, hats to be able to now send as well. So yeah, Gold Deli has worked with us yeah. to just kind of grow, you know? Yeah. And I agree with this and I've been, this is something that I've been saying for like years and it was right around when they came out. And I saw it also that that's what the consumers want now. You know, they want their Coney Island experience in their home. They want their Italian dinner in their home that they have from blah, blah, blah restaurant. And if they're going to pay a delivery charge for DoorDash for 15%, which is like $17, they can also pay whatever $12 and have like eight hot dogs and eight buns and mustard in the mail. And I think that this is important for food consumers to understand is, also, what's happening is because the rising cost of having this direct delivery from a restaurant, it's almost just as good to plan in advance and have food shipped to your house, which is cheaper. Um, but yeah. you get to experience the world also, and you get a world palette. Um, and that yeah. I like. And you're getting whole solutions. It's not a meal kit in the same way that we're thinking of like a Blue Bonnet or a Gobble or whatever the other companies are out there I can't think of right now. I think it's not, maybe it's not Blue Bonnet. Blue Apron, sorry. I don't know why I keep saying Blue Bonnet. Blue Apron and those type of companies and, or Home Chef, where you see them in the grocery store. Right. And I think those type of things were, were more and more as Americans, especially during COVID, we had more time to cook, but we wanted less time of prep. And that's part of what's going on here is you're providing the whole package and you're providing like, okay, I can have provide a whole Walter's hot dog party. I can actually yeah, pr- maybe absolutely. even eventually order enough hot dogs where I can be like Walter's hot dogs. I want a food truck and I want to franchise it. These Because once you start producing this and doing it for Gold Belly, it allows that ability to maybe scale like you weren't able to do in the 90s. And I like that as well. Um, because having those co-packers or having maybe even eventually producing your own factory and producing this stuff yourself gives you ability to franchise but also control the product quality. So that's pretty cool. You just cool. said it. Yeah, you just said it. You mentioned the control aspect of things. Absolutely. And listen, it's, you know, Go ahead. We, my sister and I started our food trucks in 2015. And listen, in, in, in New York, your food trucks operate maybe seven to eight months out of the year, because in the wintertime, it's very difficult to, you know, stay busy, you know, doing what you're doing, if, if you're not relying on the type of private events, uh, and private bookings. But you know, in about an eight month time period, our food trucks can do up to about 500 events in a year, uh, we can do up to 12 events in a day. And we definitely felt that we cracked the code in the food truck industry to be able to replicate our business and, and make it scalable. So yes, why why couldn't we have a Walters food truck in Miami or in Los Angeles or somewhere else? Um, so it's, it's, it's really kind of opened our eyes to the opportunity uh, because before you had to come to Mamaroneck, New York to have a, the Walters experience, to have the one of a kind hot dog and at the Pagoda and to enjoy it there. But now, like you said, is we can literally take that Walters experience that you you would get in New York and now have it in the comfort of your home. So it's like, you know, what's, what's better than that? I think of the foods that I love across the United States and how many of them are on gold belly that I can order them today and know that they'll be here in time for the weekend or so. It's really an incredible model. I, you know, the gold belly thing is a game changer. Like utopia bagels is someone who's been on the podcast. Their bagels go everywhere, you know, now because of it. Um, 
and uh, it's a game changer, especially if you have the capacity to handle the volume to give them or find a co-packer or however it works. I think it's a great way to scale your business and they help coordinate the pieces and you get to brand the boxes yourself if you want, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. And when you think about Gold Belly, Justin, you know, prior to the pandemic, we were one of like 150 businesses that were on Gold Belly. And now there's over a thousand. <laughs> So it just goes to show is, you know, what they've been able to do um, is just remarkable. So I kind of got in the story there. So do you guys in the actual two locations, the uh, brick and mortar locations that are pretty cool, which I love how the ornament works with the uh, with the theme there. And I think it's a really cool the hot dog idea and the flat top. And I want to get into all that, but do you guys actually make the hot dogs like in the locations? Like you mentioned your own recipes and stuff like that. I know you, you said you co-pack for the hot dogs to go mass produce, but it is your recipes, which a lot of people have to do. You can't just all of a sudden build a factory. It's very expensive and you need someone who can scale it and does other businesses similar to that to actually make it, profitable for you at the beginning for sure um so what how how did you like where the recipe was your great-grandfather's i believe so let's talk about that a little bit is there only one type of hot dog um like let's just go through it how was it made before you guys went to co-packing in every store like let's talk about that sort of evolution sure yeah so my great grandfather came up with the recipe for a hot dog of, of a blend of beef, pork, and veal, um, which is very unique for a hot dog. So by nature, it just it doesn't look like a hot dog in, in, in color tone, and the way we cook it and prepare it, it doesn't taste like a typical hot dog. Um, he wanted to split the hot dog down the middle on like a flat top grill, and to be able to create some more surface area and. Um, also, because in, in that time period, in the early 1900s, hot dogs were obviously they were very cheap food, but they were also like a mystery meat. It was like, what, what's inside? And he was like, let's kind of peel back, peel back the curtain a little bit and show customers as well. You know, show them what they're eating, show them the ingredients or what's inside. So it was very innovative at the time and, and how to cook and prepare it. So um, at that time, we had a local butcher. We had a local butcher here in Mamaronic that would that would make the the hot dog for us and bring them in um and they used to come on links (laughs) you know they were they were linked up and there were bars uh you know on the ceiling that they would come in and they would put them and when the orders would come up they would they would you know with the knife they would chop off that uh chop it off and and start cooking so um obviously the the businesses have have evolved over you know since that time and yes we now have um co-packers who you know, they make our, our hot dogs uh, on a weekly basis for us. They package them so that we're able to ship them and they package them so that we're able to supply the grocery stores because we're in about 40 different grocery stores right now as well for our hot dogs. Um, the mustard as well, is, it's our own blended recipe. Uh, again, um, we blend it. It's a brown mustard that we blend with a little bit of relish. So it's a little bit more on the sweet side as opposed to spicy, like a spicy brown mustard. And um, that, again, was the ingredients that we came up with that, uh, again, we have co-packers who now package it for us on a, on a retail level and also for our food production level. 
Um, and those are things that just evolved as the business grew, as the production grew. It was just something that we needed bigger companies to be able to handle the volume of what we were producing on a weekly basis, um, which, which of course can be challenging, right? When you don't have that type of control and you're relying on other companies uh, to be able to do it for you. And it goes back to that, you know, the confidence that a lot of people say is that uh, no one's going to do something as good as you're going to do it, or that, you know, you can do it in a way sometimes, but you have to have the hope and that, uh, that you don't, even though you don't have control that, you're working with people that have the same ideals and philosophies and are able to gonna make you know make it a, a, a an amazing product each and every time. And uh, fortunately, it's something that we're known for. It's just the consistency of it all, of just a consistent product for over a hundred years. So let's. What does the menu look like in the brick and mortars? What does the menu look like in the uh, food trucks? Like just yeah. because obviously there may be different, but you obviously thought about it as you moved into a food truck. So I think first let's capture it how it looks in a brick and mortar, and let's talk about how you evolved it into the food trucks. Yeah, absolutely. So our hot dog, we have one one hot dog as far as one product that we use in a variety of ways. Um, our classic hot dog is known as our single dog. Our toppings are very simple. We, we only use our home homemade mustard, our Walter's mustard or ketchup. Uh, so again, this is all we've done for the past hundred plus years. We've, we've never had sauerkraut, chili cheese, onions, beans, or anything else you could think of. Um, the Walter's way is just the way Walter intended you to have it was originally with our Walter's mustard. Just like if you were to go to a restaurant and you were order a menu and uh, you order, order a menu item and that's what was presented to you, that's how the chefs intended for you to have it. Well, as simple as it sounds, the way we cook and prepare it and how we split it down the middle, we also have a secret sauce of what we cook the hot dogs in and how we what we toast the buns in as well. And then we slather it with our mustard. So again, just the presentation and the taste and the texture is very different than just a typical hot dog. We added ketchup in the late 80s, uh, the late 1980s. So again, it's the really the simplicity of all that's really kept it consistent over the years as well. Um, so that is our signature. When people come, the signature is a single dog with Walter's mustard. Uh, we've done a double dog for many years now, which I know over the, the internet is everyone always says, why can't you get a double hot dog or that famous meme about a double hot dog? But um, our hot dogs are split down the middle. So our double is two hot dogs on one bun. So think of it like a double cheeseburger, but as a hot dog. Um, that's double the meat on one bun. Uh, we also have a, a puffy dog where we have this uh, side item, a fry item called the potato puffs, which are these buttery mashed potato bites. We smash those on the grill after they're deep fried. Uh, we pour a little bit of our secret sauce on there, which is a little butter based. And then we top it on the hot dog. So it adds like this layer of like this buttery mashed potato crunch to the dog slathered with the Walter's mustard is just the way to go. So again, just different varieties of how we use the same type of hot dog. Um, come October for Oktoberfest, we get a little wild and we create a footlong dog, you know, which is our Walter's hot dog and a footlong. Um, we also have the pigs in a blanket, which are our cocktail franks as well. So uh, again, the, our same product, but just used in a different way. So for, for hot dogs, those are really the, the signature sig, signature way to go. Um, we're, our fries, we have different fries that are on our menu. We are a fast, casual business, so we have 
uh, our shoestring French fries, our curly fries, the potato puffs that I mentioned before. We have a sweet potato waffle fry. But really, you know, once dessert comes around, we're known for our funnel cake sticks or our cinnamon sticks, which is this fried dough that instead of it being like a circular funnel cake, it comes in stick form. Those are a crowd pleaser for sure. Um, and then for many, many years, we've made our own ice cream and Italian ice. So we are known for our milkshakes. We are known for our freezes, which is Italian ice blended with, you know, Sprite or lemonade or seltzer as like a refreshing drink in the summertime. Um, so our menu is very simple in nature um, and obviously for a fast, casual experience. I love this. So what and then how does this translate into the food trucks? So the food trucks... Every, everything we're able to do in the restaurant, we're able to do in, on the food trucks as well. Uh, we just, we don't do milkshakes on the, on the food truck. It's just, that's just, that would be too, too complicated for us to be able to handle, uh, you know, the demand. Um, but theoretically, the same exact menu that we have inside our brick and mortars, we have on our food trucks, except for milkshakes. We still serve our Italian ice or our, our ice cream as desserts. We still have every hot dog on the menu. We still have all the different types of fries on the menu. Um, so again, we're able to kind of take that same kind of Walter's menu and experience out on the road directly to the consumer. What's your favorite part about this right now or being a part of what's going on in your business right now or the, the legacy for lack of a better term? Yeah, it's exciting. You know, it's, listen, there's, there's a lot of pressure as well. Sometimes, you know, you want to live up to the hype, you want to live up to the 100 plus years of expectations that people have in a product. Um, but it's also the excitement of it all is that I can only imagine how hard my family, you know, the previous generations of family members worked, you know, throughout the Great Depression and world wars and economic and, and global pandemics that we were able to keep this small business within our family for all these years. And I respect the hard work that was put forth and everything they had to do to be able to hold on to this business. So there's a lot of pride with, with in myself for this business and, and my other family members who run it as well. So it's really like, you know, everything we do, every decision we make, keeping that in the forefront of what we do. And, and the pride of what we do. So it's really the excitement. Um, we love to hear how this small hot dog establishment, you know, you know what it means to people or how it makes people feel that when people come here, they're not just looking for just the hot dog. It's the experience in it all. It's, it's having it here. It's having it in our picnic area. It's the memories that come along with it. And it's those types of things. It's those smiles. It's those types of um, you know, praise from the customers or that, that, you know, the, the acknowledgement from them that makes all the hard work and everything it takes to run, uh, you know, these food establishments and food trucks and, uh, shipping and retail businesses, all the hard work, all the pressure, everything, it's all worth it in the end. I agree. One of the things that um, I'm going to just touch on is uh, as a kid, my Italian grandma would come down from New Jersey because at that point we were in Maryland, uh, my family. Yeah. But she would come down with the foot-long hot dogs every fall, the Italian hot dogs. And um, 
I love those things. I don't know where they came from, but I just remember we'd always have them, the foot-long dogs. Like, it only in the fall could we get them, but um, it just was one of those experiences. Well, and as an Italian kid, we ate a lot of hot dogs, especially you cut them in half and then cook them with lemon juice and stuff like that. So, um, That's so cool. And, um, but, and we, like it, and interestingly, Deborah, who used to be the co-host on the show, when her and I were together, she would do the same thing. She would cut them in half and she's Greek and then like use lemon, uh, juice and stuff to cook them in and then bun and all that stuff. So I haven't tried a Walter's dog, but I'm definitely now going to have to make my way up there while I'm in New York. So we're going to have to try this or I'm going to find one or order it on gold belly. You let me know when you come here. I will. I will. I, um, so let's talk about like what inspires you, what keeps you going, where are you hoping this business goes? Like, are, is your sister involved in it with you? Um, now, since you mentioned her with the food trucks, like, um, let's talk about some of that. Like, but let's first talk about what inspires you, what motivates you, where are you guys hoping this goes? Yeah. What, what motivates me is the potential that I see because in some ways I feel like we're just at the starting gate. Um, it's like we have a hundred plus years behind us, right? And this business isn't new by any means, but there's still millions of people who don't know our brand, that that they don't know Walter's hot dogs. So how can we, you know, how can we take something that means so much to so many people, but also kind of have them identified on a bigger scale without watering down the product or the consistency that's kept the business going for all of these years? So you know, I'm excited in, in what the future holds, because again, I feel like it's just the beginning. Um, and what's, what's been able to do that is the food trucks, um, being able to kind of now see and operate it. We're going on, wow, it's 2015. So this is what our eighth, eighth year in, in our food trucks, you know, four food trucks later, um, we really feel like we have that down. So the growth possibility for our food trucks, um, I'm really excited about and the opportunities that, you know, present themselves. Um, I'm excited about um, shipping. Shipping and retail is really a, another key focus that I'm excited about is why can't every major grocery store have Walter's hot dogs right next to Nathan's or Sabret? Um, so again, that's an area, a, a new area of business. And of course, there's a lot of barriers to entry when you're the little guy trying to, you know, you know, compete with the, you know, the main, the, the, the main competitors like, like a Nathan's or a Sobret, but I'm excited about that opportunity. Um, so it's really the possibilities of where we're going um, that excite me on a daily basis. And I want to compound this a little bit just for a second. In Nashville, where I now am residing, at least for the time being, the hot dog boom, like there are hot dog carts throughout Broadway, especially late at night. Big Daddy's is the one that's down there that's really gotten a foothold and they have like done a really good job and they have lots of toppings and stuff. But I, and I've said this for a few years now, but there is this boom that will happen in hot dogs, like just let's talk about what's going on in the economy. 
like let's talk about what's going on in the world there needs to be cheaper options for humans right now because food costs are going up why because we messed up really bad during covid and we then transitioned our food sources to foreign sources versus domestic sources particularly in the united states and that costs more money ultimately and when you give someone else control over your market they can charge whatever they want because while monopolies can be broken up in the united states we can't break them up in another country so just saying right and the the thing that goes on is people are going to need cheaper food options and we're going to need to be able to feed our family with different options and foods like hot dogs and hamburgers we've seen hamburgers really rise up and smash burgers and a thousand variations right but hot dogs are coming along in the same fashion because Everyone did grow up with them. We now under we we all have them at barbecues as kids, and that wasn't the same forty years ago. You just talked about ketchup being on the menu. That's because no one ketchup and hot dogs became more associated with each other because kids started eating more hot dogs. It wasn't necessarily just an adult food or a thing you got at a ball game anymore, or from a street right. cart in New York City, or from Nathan's at Coney Island. You know, it became more like as Nathan's expanded the concept and hot dogs became more barbecue food and kids started eating them, especially with ketchup, making them a little bit sweeter, which is more palatable to kids. Um, And then as we get adults, we do transition to mustard, honestly, at least for me, I never like ketchup. So you don't have to put ketchup anywhere near anything that I eat. I probably won't (laughs) eat it. So, but it's just my preference but my point being is it is an option and i do see this business growing and people find comfort in hot dogs and those type of items um sausages you know they'll make a comeback they're a good food and it helps us utilize the whole animal right so they're important um Talk about your sister, like what does the family dynamic of the business look like now? How do you guys manage all this growth? Who does what? Like how much of your family is involved? So on and so forth. Absolutely. So I I have two sisters that are involved in the business uh, and and we make up the fourth generation. And my mother, Christine Warrington, is the the third generation who, you know, uh, helps so much behind the scenes and working again as a small business. I mean, you know, we don't have a, a human resource department with 100 employees, you know. Um, we wear many hats. And between my sisters, my mother and I, we wear the hats to ensure that the business is going to be running every single day and that um, working with our <laughs> our vendors and the payroll companies and, uh, you know, workers' comp and insurance and, um, you know, just all the behind-the-scenes things that it takes for a small business to operate in America right now. But but then it's the actual physical daily operation of the restaurants to make sure that, you know, the, it, our managers and, and inventory and employees and customer satisfaction and the menu and the products are executed exactly how they should be. So we all wear many hats. So, uh, you know, my sister Catherine and I and my mother Christine, we started the food trucks Um my my other sister Christine handles the majority of Gold Belly, so she's really in charge of making sure that all the orders are fulfilled and customer experience is fantastic, and um, you know everything with Gold Belly, and uh, helping to make sure that our our location in Marinic, our flagship location, is um, you know running at full capacity and and, and everything. Uh, myself, I'm I'm overseeing a lot of our business development and 
our White Plains location and the growth of our food trucks. My sister, Catherine, does everything. You know, she does a little bit of everything and um, works with our event planners and coordinators of all of our food trucks and, uh, you know, everything behind the scenes as well. So, so again, between, you know, between the four of us, you know, and, and, and fortunately, you know, the 50 employees that we have within our two restaurants and our food trucks and everything, um, it's really the, the, you know, the four of us and it kind of streamlines down to make sure that everything is running smoothly. But, um, you know, it's just, you know, it is, it is very difficult. It is very challenging, um, you know, to run businesses, um, these days, not only just to run them, but to see them, you know, succeed and to be able to grow year after year, you know, it's a very challenging and daunting task. So it's not something that we take for granted in any way. Very cool. So like, what are the, like, when you were growing up or like as a kid, what are some of the role models you say are leaders you looked up to? You seen you went and got an MBA. So where did you get your MBA yeah. and where did you get your undergraduate? Let's drop those two because you mentioned them. But let's also talk about inspiration, role models, maybe sports. Sure. Where did it all come from? Yeah. So, um, so first, you know, my childhood, I mean, my grandfather, you know, Gene Warrington, he was Walter's son. Um, he was the most amazing person that I knew. And I just wanted to be like him when I grew up. <laughs> um, I would just come to Walter's as a kid, you know, my sisters and I, and we would just watch him make ice cream or prepare the hot dog buns for the day. Or, you know, we just, we just wanted to, you know, be like him. He always had a smile on his face. He always said to us, you know, it doesn't cost you anything to be nice to people. So always make sure you're nice to people. Um, but my grandfather was really the biggest role model. And, um, he, my, my mother, um, you know, my, my, my mother, you know, she raised, you know, there's four of us. She raised us and she was there for every step of the way for every sporting event we did or every, you know, every school function we had. Um, so between my grandparents and, and, and my mother's really just, we were just so well grounded and just, you know, family was everything to us and the support of each other and, you know, being there for each other. Um, so that, helped tremendously um you know just really just growing up and getting into adulthood just to know that we had you know always had people in our corner it was our family you know we can always rely on our family we can always count on it was like those italian roots you know it was just you know family was everything to us so um absolutely my my grandfather my my father my stepfather they really and my mother they really you know they saw that I had some type of athletic ability as a young child. So just the discipline of getting involved in sports helped me so much. And it taught me so much of just how to be, a, you know, just the work ethic and, you know, to work in my earliest jobs and into business. But the discipline I learned in sports and in the passion and dedication I had for it, but the amount of work, the resiliency, how to be able to work in a team environment, uh, how to meet deadlines and work under pressure um, sacrifice, you know, all those types of things that I learned in sports at a young age, it just stuck with me. Um, so, you know, I went to play, um, I played baseball, I played football, I played soccer, I played basketball. Um, but I played division two, um, sports at Nia college in New York. Um, so I really went to college and focus was on sports. And, um, after that, I had such a great experience and, um, Nia college is a small private college in new york um 
And I just, it was so good for me. Just the small environment, the, the relationships I was able to form with the professors and within the business department, it just made me so confident in going there for my MBA. And it was some of the best relationships and friendships that I had and the best experiences in my life really came from that college and, and graduate experience there. Um, so, so that was, that was that, um, who did I, who did I look up to? I, I looked up to athletes, you know, I looked up to, I looked up to athletes because I was around sports. So, you know, Michael Jordan and the work ethic and being, you know, the best and, you know, coming from New York and, and, you know, Derek Jeter and the Yankees in the nineties, you know, seeing all those types of things and the passion and the work ethic and the perseverance and the, you know, striving to be the best at whatever you do. Those were just, again, things that I really had rooted in me from my family and in sports. Awesome. So like the, I don't even know where, where to, to take it from here, but what, what are some of your daily things that you do to make sure you stay on task? Like, how do you arrange your day? How do you succeed or win your day? We talked about like what inspires you and what made you an athlete, but what is it like for you now to win your day? Because I think it, it yeah. or win your week, because I think it's important yeah. to discuss because as an athlete, we attach things to that. Yeah. So first of all, you know, thank God for my sister, Catherine, who is such an amazing planner and organizer and prioritizing things. So she has helped me so much in my life to kind of be organized. And my wife, my wife, Macy, of course, she's, she's great at that. So the two of them have helped me so much, but for, for, for me, it's, it's knowing the pulse, knowing the temperature, knowing the pulse of our business. You know, what is, what is my business screaming at me that demands our, our most attention? And a lot of that, Justin, is depending on the season. Um, so like right now, here we are in March, we are li- literally um, you know, six weeks away from like when our, our food truck season like kicks off and we're launching our fourth food truck this year. So like right now it's about, you know, for us, it's about making sure that again, from really now until the end of the year, we're going to do close to 500 events between these food trucks. So it's about having the staff in place, having our management in place, making sure that our food trucks are in tip top shape, ready to go to be able to handle 14 to 16 hour work days every, every day. So from the, from the equipment uh, to the food, to the trucks themselves, the maintenance of the trucks to our inventory and products and our contracts, it's really like preseason. Like right now it's preseason in baseball. It's like preseason for us, for our food trucks. So, um, so it's kind of like prioritizing right now is that, but also right now is again, our, our Mamaronic location is an outdoor dining only roadside stand. So again, it's seasonal in the way that once the weather gets warm, you know, the lines get longer. So it's, again, preparing and making sure that our staff are in place, that our management is in a good situation. Um, again, knowing the heartbeat of the business. So how do I prioritize? It's, it's, again, really what is my business screaming at me that demands my most attention? And it's right now it's like our preseason to get ready to play and to get ready to win. So it's like everything that someone would do in like the preseason and the training, that's where we're at right now in all areas of our business. 
Very cool. Is there anything you want to share with anyone or you like anyone who's in a family business that has long legacy? Obviously, it's hard and everyone like says, oh, the next generation, blah, blah, blah. But talk to me about like, because you're in a different scenario. Talk to me about that. I think that this is an important topic. Like you're building a legacy business um, and you are a fourth generation. So yeah, let's talk about what that's like or maybe the dynamics or any way that maybe you could help entrepreneurs out there or similar family dynamics. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm so glad you asked that because, um, you know, prior to this, I was never really involved in the family business, you know? Um, and now I work with, you know, two of my sisters and my mother, you know, on a daily basis. Um, I think one of the biggest things is, listen, we, we all have our own strengths and weaknesses. We all contribute in our own way. And I think that's important to know and to understand. Um, the level of respect, I think, is so incredibly important because, listen, again, you know, we're an Italian family by nature. We're close. We're very close. We have our family dinners and all these types of things. But it, it's one thing to have the level of respect that we do because at the end of the day, we're family as well. So to have the respect that, yes, I love you as my, my sister, I love you as my mother, but I respect you as my business partner. Um, and, I, and I think just having that and that open level of communication as well, because again, there could be a lot of tough conversations in business. And sometimes in our cases as a family business, you're not just having, you know, you're not just having to make tough decisions with your business partners. You're having to make tough decisions with your family members as well. So again, you walk, we walk a very fine line and sometimes, you know, we don't all agree on things. We don't all get along a hundred percent, but we have such a love and respect for each other and a respect for the business. Because again, we know that our great grandfather started this. Our grandfather ran this for 65 plus years. So again, knowing how much they put into it and what they did, we always keep that at the center of what we do. And we always keep them in mind as well. Like, what would my grandfather do? Like, my grandfather, Gene, who became synonymous with this business because he was an owner of it for such a long period of time, you know, what would he do? What would he think about this? How would he, how would he you know, how would he handle the community and, and customers and the employees and his heart and, and where it was? So a lot of that really helps make, make things a little bit easier as well. Um, so uh, again, family dynamics, uh, and again, we have, I guess the shows like succession to kind of think as well as, as seeing kind of like the poison within family as well and in, in, in business. But I think it comes down to anyone who's in a family business, the level of respect that you have for each other, know that you have a fine line at the end of the day or family, you know, business is business, but if you can respect each other, it, it's, it goes a long way. And, um, that I think is crucial. I agree with you 100%. And I mean, that's honesty and transparency and all the way around, you guys trust each other to have the hard conversations as well. And I think that that's important. And when that does can't happen anymore, I think that that's when things fall apart in family businesses. I don't necessarily think it's one generation cares to the next. I think sometimes the trust is not, and the respect is not there from generation to generation and it causes major issues and collapse. Um, and it's generally yeah. profitable businesses that this happens to. So that's one of the reasons I brought it up. Um, and yeah. I know what it's like to be in a family business. So, um, 
and, and it's one thing to recognize too is that you know the, the business is bigger than us. The business is bigger than our own individual egos um, and, and things like that. Is um, so again, keeping that in mind as well is also helps us with the sign of humility um, in in being um, you know business owners and family members. I agree. So um, as we sort of polish this off and 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 say goodbye what is like like i'm gonna have you guys back on because i want to talk about your summer season and stuff like that and i want to get back in so i'd love to have you on for a part two because i'll have a lot of questions more than that we have enough time for so i feel like it's a good time to sort of wrap things up where we are but my last question is this like in your mom, your sister, and your two sisters, what are the qualities about them that you admire the most in business? Maybe it crosses yeah. over to personal as well. I don't know, but in business, we'll we'll sort of start it from there. Sure. My sister Catherine, who handles a lot of administration work, and you know works with me on the food trucks. Um, what what I admire her is that she loves building and designing, and and she sees that when we build out our restaurants build out our food trucks um she's at the forefront of that she loves it she sees it and that's an area that that i just respect because i don't have the same type of passion and enthusiasm for the building aspect of things um so that is something i admire and most importantly is that for her it's she she goes all in 110% at everything she does. So I always know that she has my back and that she's just so reliable and, and can, can hold me accountable as well. My older sister, Christine has been with this business now for for 25 years. Um, So her passion and dedication to continue the business is the, the best thing that I know because she knows the business longer than any of us being so heavily rooted in it. She's seen the business evolve and grow over time. And, you know, my mom is, you know, at the end of the day, too, it's the, the wisdom of parents, the, the, you know, the wisdom that we that we look for in experience, you know, people that are experienced. That's what she lends us more than anything is one thing, you know, we're younger and we have all these ideas and this and that. But sometimes she's able to kind of break things down to like the simplicity of it all to just say, at the end of the day, this is what we're doing. Like, this is what our business is, you know, you know, comprised of. And. This is what, you know, you know, this is what we've done in the past and and the experience. So she's able to lend her experience and she knows us, you know, our mother knows us. So in a way she knows our strengths, she knows our weaknesses. She's seen us grow, you know, grow up our whole lives. So she also knows how to coach us. So kind of having her in, 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 you know, being lucky enough to have her in that, she can find ways to also to bring out the best in us as well. Um, so I think, you know, that's something that we're really lucky. And then at the end of the day, we just, we all win together. That's it. At the end of the day, we all win together. So, um, playing on the same team is something that's just really special to us. It means a lot. Very cool, man. Uh, where can they find you guys online and where are your stores located? Absolutely. So, um, our biggest is, you know, on Instagram at Walters hot dogs, Check out our website at waltershotdogs.com. I always say, do if you don't know us, you know, it's more than just a hot dog. Um, you know, Google us. 
go on YouTube, check out some of the history and, and what it is. Because again, how has this small hot dog business lasted for over a hundred plus years? And what are we doing here? That's really caught some, you know, attention. So that's the biggest thing. Goldbelly.com. If you want to try out our product, um, we have our hot dog kits and, and really the kind of the one of a kind, you know, uh, hot dog experience. You can order it on Goldbelly and there's always so many cool promotions to, you know, take advantage of. If you want to book our food trucks in the tri-state area, you can, you can do so at, you know, through our website at waltershotdogs.com. You can email us at, at truck at waltershotdogs.com. So again, um, those are the ways to find us. We want to grow in, in, in our retail. Uh, right now, we're primarily here in New York and Connecticut. Um, so, again, that's something we're looking to as well. So, you know, demand our hot dogs and mustard at your local grocery store. Very cool. Thank you so much for joining us, Gene Christian. Thank you. It's I my appreciate pleasure. it. And, um, and thank you, everyone in the audience, for listening in. Thank you guys for always sharing the episode. I love you guys. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I know we're making impact on entrepreneurs because I, every once in a while, get feedback on, oh, blah, 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 episode really helped me out. And, and I can't wait to hear another one. And, and they'll drop names. I think, you know, even I hear them as far back as the original one we did for, like, you know, some of the barbecue ones and from four years ago. So I appreciate that people are still listening all the way back to the original episodes. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. And thank you everyone again, share it, like it five star it, whatever you guys can do. It, it helps the episode. It helps the entrepreneurs. Um, and it helps get the message out there. Um, and it obviously helps the podcast. So I appreciate that. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Justin, the food entrepreneurs, and you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. Thank you everyone for listening in and we are out.